Welcome, my dark flock, to episode three. Tonight, I have two short stories for you. One by Reddit user Dark Raven, the other by one of my good friends, Melody Carter. Hope you enjoy. I woke up three days ago to find my brother Tyler missing. When I asked my parents where he was, they looked at me like I was crazy. I thought they were insane or just playing some sick prank on me, but when I went to check Tyler's room, it was like a bomb went off in my chest. The room, which normally had a bed, a dresser and nightstand, a million posters of bikini-clad girls, surfers, ball players and rock bands all over the wall, in a closet full of clothes, and in the floor was a sewing room. My mom always used to say that she wanted a room for her sewing. She makes quilts and handmade clothing and sells them, but we never had enough room in our house to give one up. She usually used the office that she and dad shared, but now here was the sewing machine along the far wall by the window and quilts covering the walls. Where Ty's bed used to be was a long table holding more quilts and the closet neatly held all the clothes mom either had finished or was working on. I went back to my parents and asked them with tears in my eyes if they were playing a prank on me. They said that they were not and looked at me in a very worried way. I was afraid they were going to think I really had gone crazy, so I accepted my dad's offer of having a bad dream and went to my room to sort through some of my pictures. Ty wasn't in any of them, even though he had been the night before. I know because I had just taken some. I walked casually around the house, trying not to stir suspicion, and I looked through all the family photos lining the walls, but still no Ty. If this was a prank, it was a pretty elaborate one, I thought, but what would the point have been? It's now been three days and still nobody I know seems to know Tyler or remember me having a sibling. This is a nightmare. Me and Ty fight, or fought, I guess, a lot, like all brothers and sisters do, but he's also always been there for me. He punched Salas Worth in the face for me in sixth grade when he wouldn't stop making creepy sexual advances at me. I was in the 6th grade, Salas was in the 12th, mind you. He let me come to his room and play video games with him when mom and dad were fighting. He even drove me to school after he got his license and didn't worry about not looking cool. Ty is or was, I don't even know now, the best brother any girl could ever ask for. And now he's gone and I'm the only one that remembers him or seems to care at all. I don't know what to do. I can't call the police or tell anyone else. No one, including mom and dad, seemed to know that Ty ever existed. I can't just go on without him like he was never here. I'm not crazy and I hadn't just had a bad dream. I remember Ty. I remember his friends that don't remember him but I wouldn't know them otherwise. They are in a much higher grade than me, yet I know all kinds of things about them. I know his teachers, his grades, his favorite food, 
It was Taco's. I even remember the color of his comforter. Tyler was not a fragment of my imagination. He was my brother and he existed. Where did he go? What happened to him? Is he dead or simply just no longer there? And why am I the only person that remembers him? I heard my mom tell my dad the other day when they were talking about my outburst of where is Tyler that she always felt like she was supposed to have a son and Tyler is the name that she would have given him. They thought it was a little creepy but dismissed it. His best friend Charlie says that Tyler sounds exactly like the kind of guy that he would have hung out with and also thought it was creepy. Somewhere deep inside they know. Tell me, what am I supposed to do? Thank you again for listening to The Raven's Post here on Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now let's get back to our show. Our next story, Tinsel and Blood, written by Melody Carter, will make you think twice about cheating. When I took the pan of gingerbread men out of the oven, I was disappointed to see that the osin was smeared and the cookies looked like ugly lumps. Why couldn't they be perfect? Couldn't I do anything right? That was exactly what my husband Stanley had asked the day before, when he'd followed the question by applying a metal cookie sheet to the back of my head. I rubbed the spot with my fingers. It was sore still and had bled a little. Stanley had warned me though, you better tell anybody who asked that you fell down the stairs a nail. Got that? His hand held my chin in a vice grip. I tried to be what he wanted in a wife though. I cooked and cleaned, took care of our children, Benny, Zach, and Pauline, did anything Stanley asked me. If he said something wasn't up to par, then it wasn't. I strived to be better. I could sense him drifting away from me, though, which was only why I spent a good deal of the money on him for Christmas presents. Christmas was two days away, and the tree looked as forlorn as I felt. Its branches drooping reminded me of my own shoulders. There weren't many bright baubles on the tree. This year hadn't brought forth much brightness, but there was a small part in me that wouldn't quit. Stanley's new toolbox waited for him to open it. He loved tinkering in the garage and building things, so I hoped this would at least earn me a hug from him. A hug or kiss was a foreign thing now. That day, I'd gone to visit my mom, and after getting home, I attended to relax and watch some Christmas movies on TV. Stanley would still be working for another few hours at the carpet mill, or so I thought. When I got there, his car was in the driveway along with a blue Civic I didn't recognize. I wondered who could be here. Benny and Zach were at the skating ring with Pauline and was spending the night at a friend's. I opened the door and stepped inside. No one was in the living room or dining area. When I approached the swinging door to the kitchen, however, I heard the sounds of a woman moaning. 
I pushed the door open quietly and froze as if a bucket of ice water had been poured over me. My husband Stanley was making love to a red-headed tart against the Formica counter. They were so absorbed that neither saw me and I let the door close without a word. I reached for a chair. My legs wouldn't hold me. My heart hammered as if it crashed through my chest and tears, stupid tears rolled down my face. The tears of an idiot who thought she could repair something that was beyond repair. I barely heard Zack and Ben when they came home. I hadn't even been aware when Ruby B had left my house. Stanley muttered something about her being on a church committee and that was why she visited. But all I heard were the echoes of her moans from an hour before and smelt Stan all over her as she tossed her red hair to go. I didn't confront him. No, I'm a quiet one who bides her time. That night I told him I needed him to check something on my car. While Stan crouched to his knees beside my car in the garage, I heaved a cement block from the floor and with some trouble carried it towards him. He was so unaware, just as I'd been, so damn stupid. I raised the concrete block over my head and brought it down onto the back of Stan's skull. He grunted once and collapsed. Every time I allowed my thoughts to drift to Ruby B and his hands on her bare skin, I applied the cement block to his head once more, till a puddle of blood spread around my car's left tire. The kids asked where their dad was, and I told them he had to leave town for his job. They believed it, but they hoped he'd be back in time for Christmas presents. I said not to worry. Luckily, Stanley kept plenty of hand saws in the garage. I found one that did the job all right. After dumping his body in the lake, I saved a special part of him for such a Christmas as this. When Christmas Eve came, I invited Ruby B over. She was surprised at the invitation, but she arrived in a low-cut dress she wouldn't dare wear to church. Oh, Anel, she gushed at me. You're so kind and one of our sweetest members in the congregation. I smiled and only watched as she untied the gift box I gave her. It was bright red with a red bow. A few seconds later, she was screaming and throwing the box away from herself. Its content rolled across the carpet, and she was still screaming like a banshee as Stan's severed penis laid there. Thank you for tuning into The Raven's Post. If you have any stories you have written you would like to feature on an upcoming episode, please email me at raven, R-A-V-A-N, podcast78 at gmail.com.